Hello everyone, welcome to episode 4 of Primios, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. Um, today's shiur was sponsored by a generous listener who chose to stay anonymous. And, and it's in honor of Gimel Tammuz, the 3rd of Tammuz, which is the day of the Ilula of the Rebbe. And so for us, obviously, this time of the year has a very deep significance. And especially the Gimel and Yud Beis, the 3rd and the 12th, 13th of Tammuz, are very special Hasidic dates. We know that in the previous generation, the previous Rebbe of Lubavitch was incarcerated by the communist regime and, and tortured, etc. And only the day of Gimel Tammuz, they told them that that instead of giving him death penalty, they're going to send him to exile. And then nine days later, they told him that they're going to free him completely. So these are called the days of uh, deliverance, that's how you say, um, for the basically the day that Hasidus and Yiddishkeit in general beat the, the anti-God communist regime of the time. Um, and that's considered the Hasidic Yomtev. <laughs> in the Hasidic Yomtev, the previous Rebbe, every year celebrating this special date, he would give a mimer. And most of the times, uh, the Dibur Amaschil, the posuk with which the mimer starts, was one of the psukim of the Tehillim, where the Tehillim that we say for Hallel, right, when a miracle was performed to Amisrol, a significant miracle, uh, we say Hallel, and that day we add a special prayer. And so from those psukim, um, a mimer, on one concept from there. And so there is a mimer of the Friedrich Rebbe during this, um, one of these mimerim that starts with the posuk, Hashem libe oizroi, Hashem is with me, with my helpers, vanier eve soinoi, and I will see my enemies. But there is something there in between, I will see the fall of my enemies, I will look in triumph over my enemies. Something like that is the different translations in the Mephorshim. Now, if we think about it, the concept that we're saying, like Hashem will help me and I will see them fall, it's like enjoying revenge. It sounds, sounds more like an animal impulse of the Nefesh Abamis, and it doesn't sound like something that that you want or that you appreciate. It seems more like the, the Jewish version of the famous Chinese proverb that says, don't worry, sit still by the waters and you will see the bodies of your enemies float by. Keilu, that enjoyment of the passive, active revenge, uh, that doesn't seem like a, like a, like a real Tredotic value. And actually, the Chachomim teach us that when it says, the Tehillim, in Tehillim, David Amenech says, let all the sins disappear and there are no more Reshoim, no more bad people because there are no more sins. And Chazal emphasized that David Amenech is not asking, uh, kill all the bad people. He's saying, no, don't, don't exterminate the bad people, exterminate the bad circumstances or the bad traumas or the bad situations that a person goes through and therefore the Yitzhahara makes him do the wrong thing. 
But we pray for the bad things, situations, unfair um, actions should disappear and not the actions, the wrong actions, and not the bad people because we expect them to chuva and become better. So you shouldn't enjoy the fall of your enemy. Pray for him to change, to become a good person. But for sure, if you feel that revenge in your heart, like I want to see you fall, I, uh, that, that bitter feeling inside, you should control it, not feel proud of it, and much less diving for it. So what does it mean that, that David Amenachim is praying, let me see with my, the, the thing with my enemies. In order to understand this, says the, the previous Rebbe, we need to give a new translation, reinterpret the word seeing. Because the Pesach says, Hashem is with my helpers and I will see. And first of all, it doesn't say revenge. It just I will see as implying three dots, dot, dot, dot. And you can imagine with my enemies. Um, but we have to translate and think again about the meaning of the word ere, I will see, I will watch. So in order to understand that, Chesidus tells us that we have two major sensors, right? Chushim, that let us perceive the world around us, vision and hearing. And the difference between them is that vision is so much more truth, deeper, real, the validation, the verification, the confirmation of whatever it is that you're watching, you're looking at, is absolute. And no one can uh, and no one can, can contradict what you've seen. I don't care if you give me the best formula, if you're Einstein proving me that it can't be, well, too bad, I, I've seen it with my eyes. Masha'en can listening, when you hear something, I can tell you a story um, about how I went to Japan and I ate sushi. And, and I believe the story and I understand that it makes sense, right? You, you said a type of food that they serve in that type of place. So the story makes sense. But then, and I believe you. And then a week later, someone will show me, I don't know, a picture of you with him in another country. So it wasn't truth. In other words, something that you hear, something that you calculate, something that you put together with the ability of your brain to understand uh, the Tetris of life, it's not 100% confirmed, even though it really feels like that in your mind. The real confirmation of something is when you see it. That's why actually in English, I find it interesting, me that I came to English as a second, third language, um, and not the language I spoke from, from childhood. Um, it's very interesting that when you wanna say to someone that, okay, um, I, you're telling me something, but I am not convinced 100%. I will give it a chance though, I can think about it. How do you tell that to someone? I hear you. I hear you is like, okay, I don't really agree, but fine, I hear you. Then when you're sure about something, you're like, oh, I see it. Now I see it. We even use it in, in, in modern languages. When you see something, you get the point. When you get the point, is a much deeper confirmation than when you understand it, when, than when it happens in the logic part of your brain. That's a, that's a, a, a simple thing that we, can all, we all experience and we know. Now that we know this, we can take it a step further and give it a little 
a deeper interpretation when we're talking about a style of life that's based on hearing. I'm living my life according to something that's like far away, somewhere there. My connection with Hashem, it's like, ah, yeah, I hear you. Or when you actually see it, when you really feel it, when you're connected, when you're, when you're with, all of your, with all of your being, that's your natural way of being. It's like the difference between being fully convinced or folgen, the word is in Yiddish, uh, listening, doing what the older ones or what the smarter ones are telling you to do. It's still a mile. It's still a good thing. We call it Kabbalah soil, the acceptance of the yoke, of the divine yoke. Even when you don't want it, uh, you accept it upon yourself and you commit. Fine. But, but that's not your, it's not your union that you're doing. You're doing it because they told you to. It's like the example, I think we mentioned this example once. Imagine a case where a, a young teenager gets hurt, Loleinu, and uh, loses his, uh, his, uh, his memory. And then his mother goes visit him in the hospital and, and she hugs him and cries when he wakes up. And he's like, excuse me, who are you, lady? And like, oh my gosh, you don't know who I am. I'm your mother. And he's like, no, I don't recognize you. Please get away. And the mother's crying. You can imagine the scene, a dramatic example, <laughs> right? But listen, because the point is interesting. Imagine that, and now, they're trying to help the kid, you know, reconnect with his mother. They're like, listen, you've been in an accident. That's why you don't remember because the memory part of the brain got, got hurt and na, 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 na. So here are some pictures of you with your mom last year and the year before and the year before. Now you know your son and mother. And, and slowly, slowly they try to convince him. For the time being, while it's still in, the, in process, the therapy, the kid still doesn't feel like a son. So... The things don't come naturally to him. He doesn't realize that he has to say good morning or good evening. He doesn't realize that he has to offer her a tea or something once in a while. He doesn't realize that he has to offer help with her, with her um, responsibilities of the house and stuff if he has time. Can I please give you a hand with something? He doesn't think of these things because like, he doesn't feel it's his mother. And so we, the doctors, prescribe him a list of exercises it's going to say, at 7 a.m., say good morning. Extend your lips to the sides. That's called smiling. So smile to the lady, say good morning, and say the following words. Good morning, mother. How was your sleep? And I'm doing it with the tone of a robot on purpose because that's exactly what it feels like to him, to her, to life, to reality. Poor them. It's a sad story. It's a story of anyone who gets stuck in the Madriga of serving Hashem with only listening from far. It's a listening type of life. It's not a seeing type of life. If you see your mom, then the hug and the respect and, the, and, and everything else happens automatically without a to-do list. The one who sees walks by himself, whereas the one who hears has to be guided all the time. In other words, we encounter here two ways of living. You could either have developed through a long tahalich, a long 
process of avoido and self-refinement and working hard on your personality, you developed a, a scale of values, uh, intellectual, ideological values or emotional values, moral values, like you have built yourself in a way of thinking that it's kind of a guarantee that you will end up acting in that way. It, it ends up showing naturally uh, in your behavior because you believe and you see the world in this way and therefore because you're convinced about this set of values and this is how you see the world that's why the outcomes and the choices will be like this and like that that's seeing the other one is listening to someone who has done the process and and sees it but you're living like blind with somebody guiding you. And there is nothing wrong with getting guidance. Don't get me wrong here, if you need it. But the target and the avoido and the wish and the desire of every Jew is to elevate himself and to pass, to go from Shmiyo to Reiyo, from hearing it from far, not being sure, it not being my own thing, to then make it this is my God and I will serve him and says the Shloda I heard yesterday that is like when you're together with him it's your thing you're not listening to somebody else's like, uh, then there is it's the God of my father that's already distant and, and that's why we call the Chachomim Einei Ho'edo. We call them the eyes of the community. Sometimes, yes, we don't see. And that's fine if it's a current state. But not fine if it's your long-term goal. Your long-term goal should be to serve Hashem in a way of a real re'io, a visual conviction, like a reality that I have in front of me. For example, what would it look like? Well, let's take the first mitzvah. We do it in the morning, we wake up and we go pray. We daven. We daven shachis. Now, there are two ways of doing this. In a way of shmiyah, uh, yes, what do I have to do? Well, now stand up, now sit down. You're doing an alachic ritual. Now I say, now I don't say. Now I continue, now I do three steps, now I do three steps back, now I respond, now I'm not allowed to respond. You're like the kid listening to the to-do list of how to be a son without a self-consciousness. And it's fine if that's all he's got. But that cannot be your wish for the rest of your life. You need to work, I don't know if that would be accompanying therapy with like a medicine or I don't know what would be in the case of the kid or another type of therapy and medicine and whatever it is, you need to try to be able to go back to see and connect. And what would your davening look like then? It would look like real connection, like a deep expression for your inner search, an outlet for your soul's thirst, a sensation of self-elevation, a lech lecho, a feeling that you're going on a journey of towards yourself and get in touch with your real me and be able to feel yourself and then realize that that inner, deeper self that you love is nothing more than the nitzot 
the little spark of Hashem, and so you realize that you're actually connected and you love Hashem, you're basically giving a song to the dry letters of the history of your life. That's davening. But that can only happen if you get to see it, not if you're hearing it from far. Another example, Abbas Yisrael, loving your fellow Jew. You could be doing the right thing. Look, I give as much as I can, and I'll listen to you three or four minutes, not more, because, you know, you with your mices again. And no, 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 no. But then, of course, I'll check in the Shulchan Aruch, which is the to-do list, and it says minimum this, maximum that, fine. I make sure to stay within the limits of the right. And, and again, it's, it's, it's all right, because you're within the limits. And yet, giving in a way of re'io would be feeling your fellow Jew, would be feeling his necessity, feeling that, that, that just like you wouldn't be able to go on vacation when you're hungry, you can go on vacation because he's hungry. And you know what? I'll give him a hand first. I'll set him up with something. I'll use my connections to get him a job. I'll do something for my friend. Because you care. You're not just dropping the coin in the pushka because you have to fulfill the obligation. You're there with your vision. I think you already get the idea. I could give many more examples and discuss it for hours, but that would be a Fabrengan environment. Um, Hopefully, eventually, maybe that could happen. Uh, for now, we'll leave it at that. The million-dollar question, though, and I know that everyone's asking this question now. There are a few of you who are still discussing with the, with the value of the idea, but most of you already got convinced, and you're just fighting on, yeah, right, it's beautiful, but how do I even get there? The how question. The answer is, besoinai. Unbelievable. Now you get the point of the posuk. Hashem is my helper. I will see. It doesn't say what. Because that's all the posuk means to say. I will get to see. I will stop being a listening person. I will stop being detached from my own life. I will stop being just an evolutionary expression of another smart rabbit that works only according to the genetic programming that he has inside. But I will choose to be different. I will choose to not need the revenge. I will be higher than nature imposes. Why? Because I will see. Vanier E. I will get to the madrigo of vision, to the madrigo of connecting with the real values of life in a true way. When that happens, when, sorry, when does that happen? How can you make that happen? How can you go from Shmia to Reiya? We're all, unless you're a big, big tzaddik, most people were born in a way of Shmia, and even we're, we're pretty poor at that too. And so how do you dare to ask for more, to go for, for Reiyo, to go for a deeper connection um, with, with Hashem in such a real way? How can you ever dare achieving it? And the answer is, Besoinai, thanks to my enemies. In other words, your enemies are not a bad thing for you. You should actually love them, love your enemies because they are the trampoline on which you jump and you reach much higher. They're there to challenge you, to squeeze the, the deepest power of your, of your neshama out in the world and towards your consciousness. Thanks to the challenges, 
that life will pose, you will be able to learn from them how to use the best parts of your neshama. Otherwise, you wouldn't even try looking for them because you didn't need them. It's just like Chassidus explains about the two types of powers that we have. We have a regular revealed power, which is the, the amount of the capacity of, I don't know, intelligence that I can, uh, the output of my uh, intelligence and the, uh, um, the amount of uh, weight that I can lift in my in my revealed powers. I can make a list more or less of what I can do. You could test that scientifically. And, and then, and then there are the hidden abilities um, that you don't even know you're capable of until a situation really pushes you and reveals something that was hidden, that you had, had it all the time, it was right there, but you weren't aware of it, so you weren't taking advantage of it. Um, in in uh, physical terms, it's called the adrenaline, the special power that, that the body uh, absorbs from different resources and uses it to um, deal with the current crisis. Fine, call it that way if you want. It's called the koiches anelomim, the hidden powers of the soul that get revealed when? When your soul is challenged. And what is that deep inner thing that will come out? That's your ability to see it and not only hear it from far. What makes your Yiddishkeit real and, and genuine and mature and connected, transcending and affecting the reality of the world is how you manage to jump over your enemies. How do you use the... Um, the, the anguish and the negative situations of life to make you fly higher? And that's the million dollar question that each one of us should be asking himself um, during these days, and especially as we get to the Chag Geula, which is the day of liberation. Let's see if we can all achieve our own personal Geula. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll hear each other next week. Beses Hashem. Don't forget to send your comments, your feedback, your support, and don't forget to forward to all your friends. Till next week.